Thanks for tapping in to another episode of Untapped Keg, where we explore different perspectives of sobriety and mental health so you can take something, implement it into your own life. I'm RJ Zimmerman, a self-discovery after alcohol coach, and I am excited to be joined by Jake Yoder, the founder of Natural Highs Recovery. He's a coach, mentor, mountain guide, and he also has a group that is about adventure and fun that's not centered around alcohol or drugs. How are you doing today, Jake? Doing really well, man, and so good to be back on the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I mean, every single time we talk, you know, we have a really great conversation, and it really seems like um, we go to places that people may not even think is something to think about or talk about or have the words to really get there. But um, you and I just vibe off of each other so well. So I'm also excited that you're back. Long story short. Um, yeah. You know, to get us started, let's talk, let's talk about moderation, right? Uh, people who want to moderate, they don't necessarily want to drink and how that is more difficult than people realize. All right. Yeah. This is one of the I think trickiest topics in the entire world of addiction recovery because it has the potential to be so triggering. And so I'm going to start out with a little bit of a trigger warning, which is that, you know, the conversation about moderation is something that we should approach really carefully because it's a conversation that requires us to stand so firmly in our own truth and to know our own truth because the the sort of harsh reality uh, in this conversation I believe is there's going to be different answers for different people and that can be a tough pill to swallow um but it it, it is true that in the entire spectrum of people's alcohol use or cannabis use or use of substances, like there are going to be different truths about this. Um, and that's something that's been really hard for me to wrap my head around in my recovery over the past nine years and nine months since my sort of official journey started with this. But it's also been something that the more peace that I make with it, the better I feel. And the more I'm able to be free to interact with the world, the more I'm able to be around all kinds of people instead of just people that are like me, (laughs) right? Or um, it it expands for me my freedom. So um, I think that when it comes to moderation, we have to start to look at ourselves. I think that's a really important place Mm. to start. People, I think people, one of of the things I want to address, people so quickly start to look at other people's journeys. And people, clients of mine, this just happened last night, will ask me things like, well, have you seen anybody, have you seen anybody else like be able to moderate successfully with cannabis? Like, have you seen, have you ever worked with someone that, you know, they want to know, is this possible? And 
I'll, I'll often indulge that conversation a little bit. I'll say, I'll say, you know, I've, I've seen a lot of things, I've seen a lot of things, but I'll often redirect from that conversation pretty quickly and say, Hey, you know what? Let's, let's make sure that we focus on you because I could tell you all kinds of things about what, what different people do. And it's basically irrelevant. It's, it's, it's very close to being, we could almost say it's irrelevant, right? It, what other people are doing or what works for them could easily be a distraction from your own truth. And the analogy I like to use is if I'm allergic to peanut butter, it does not matter whether my friend Peter can eat peanut butter once a month or once in a while on the weekends or whether he eats peanut butter every day and tells me that he enjoys it, right? Doesn't matter what Peter's doing because if I eat peanut butter, I'm going to go into anaphylactic shock, right? And if I eat peanut butter, the way that my system responds to peanut butter is I'm going to go into anaphylactic shock, right? Or I'm going to have an allergic reaction. So if I take a year off and I see Peter enjoying peanut butter every weekend, guess what? I'm still going to have that allergic reaction, even if I haven't eaten peanut butter for a year and I go back, right? And if I, if I am, am eating it every day and I'm, I'm going in and out of the ER and I'm like, man, I, I got to stop. I got to stop doing this every day. I mean, am I, am I going to eat peanut butter then, what, once a month and expect it to be, to be different? You know, so anyways, there's only so far you can go with any metaphor, but I like to offer that to people because sometimes it can be so easy to get caught up in what, the way that alcohol or the way that cannabis or some, some, some substance, the way that it affects your friend is completely different than the way that it affects you, right? Different brain, different body, different trauma history, different parents, different childhood, different upbringing, different set of circumstances, different environment, different physiology, different neurochemistry. Everything's different. So we have to start this conversation with the understanding that this is a conversation about what's true for you. Look at your history as a, as a good place to start. Uh, I can go on and on. So I'll, I'll, I'll pause there for a minute and let you share you know, I, what your thoughts are. I'm so glad that you dove into all those examples of the difference in your, you know, minds and upbringings and your physical differences, because when we're looking at other people and we're like, why can't I, it really is, we're asking, you know, what is my mindset underneath? And I don't want to look at that because that would mean that I have to deal with something. So I want to look at somebody else and I want to be like that without having doing the work. And then that's just keeping you stuck in the, why can't I do this? Right? Why is it so hard for me? Why do I struggle when other people don't? And really, the question is, why are you partaking? What is it you're looking to get out of a drink of alcohol, you know, smoking weed, uh, cannabis, whatever, you know, whether you're eating it 
whatever you're using to escape, to numb the feelings, you know, what are you looking to get out of it? Because the people who might be using and they don't seem affected by it that you're comparing yourself to, they're not using it for that same reason. Mm. And if you, your mindset is in that same place and you don't address it, then you're lying to yourself. Like you said, be honest with yourself. And the deeper we can accept that truth, the less power any of it has over us. And we're just like, why would I want to make myself like shut pieces of my brain off? Why would I want to do that when I enjoy being here right now? Why don't I just want to be here? Yeah. Yep. You know, it's so interesting. What I always say is I think a lot of people think that they want moderation, mm. right? People mm-hmm. will say, man, I just wish I could have a joint once in a while. I just wish I could have a beer once in a while. And people think that they want moderation. But I like to challenge that a little bit. My belief is that I think that people think that they want moderation. Yeah. They don't actually want moderation. Because if you are somebody who's been drinking heavily, who's been having some problems with alcohol, starting to affect your life, it's starting to affect your relationships, or maybe it has been affecting them really bad for a long time, severely. And you all of a sudden you say, okay, I'm going to try to just drink on the weekends. So maybe that's your idea of moderation, right? I'm just going to try to have a couple beers once in a while. Well, the problem is that you say you want that, but you actually were missing a step. You want to want that. You wish you wanted that. But in reality, that is not the way that your desire system in your brain and body interacts with that particular substance. So I'll switch to I statements. I tried to moderate for a while cannabis and alcohol and everything that I used. I said, I'm just going to do this on weekends. My experience was even during the times that I could force myself to just do it on weekends, it was a struggle for me and it took up a lot of mental energy and mental space because I did not actually want to use the substance that way. I wish that I wanted to use the substance that way, but my desire system interacted with all those substances such that I want to be able to use them as much as I want with zero limitations. That is the only way that I really wanted to interact with those substances. When I moderated, quote unquote, it always felt like I had to force something. I had to bring myself to a place where I was doing only a little bit, right? Or I was only drinking this much, or I was only smoking on the weekends. And it would activate those desire systems. And it created a lot of drag in my life where it took a lot of energy to force myself to contain it into that container. And I found out that I don't actually like that. The, oh, the moderation I thought I wanted doesn't actually feel good. I don't like moderation, man. 
I want to be able to use it as much as I want whenever I want, which has a lot of problems to it that are not good for me. And it takes can take me to some, some places that are not my fullest thriving self at all. So when I realized that, I realized, oh, this is simple. This This moderation I've been chasing is something that I don't actually want. How wonderful. Now I know that I don't actually want this. Me personally, I don't actually want this. And maybe there's a little wish there. Maybe there's a, oh, I wish that I felt satisfied when I use a little bit. But at the end of the day, ultimately, I'm pretty sure that would mean that basically it would be a very different feeling for me. If I, if I only wanted to use a little bit, it's probably because that substance doesn't, when it would not actually feel as good it would not actually feel as um satiating or like overcoming of my all, all my uh i don't know this this like the way that the the substance feeds me it, it it's too deep it's too deep i like it too much Right. And one of the things that I've observed about the uh, the moderation, people who can actually moderate, people who don't even think about it, people who have maybe never struggled with uh, alcohol. They don't actually necessarily like it that much. <laughs> and, and that's the thing is, I mean, I'll speak to this myself. Even I didn't ever struggle with alcohol as much as I did with cannabis. Um, I didn't have a. a a crazy desire to drink a lot of alcohol. I definitely did abuse it at times. But my number one thing that was a real problem for me was I, I was I was heavily, heavily using cannabis. And when I think about why is that? Why did I not go as deep with alcohol? Well it's because I didn't like it as much. I did not actually like the feeling of alcohol as much. And I'm pretty damn sure that most of the people who can moderate it doesn't actually feel as good to them as it does to those of us who kind of get get a little too deep into it. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And so, again, I think people think that they want moderation, but what moderation actually is is quite a bit different from what, what we might be thinking that it is, if that makes sense. It does. It absolutely makes sense. And it goes to this principle that – I find myself falling into a lot as well as you look at your goals and you look at other people and you want what they have, or you want your goal. And oftentimes we want to skip the middle, which is that middle is where the truth is. Even if you're being truthful to yourself, are you telling yourself the whole truth as to what is going on and where you want to go? Right. Um, and when I looked into my own alcohol use, I had it down to, I would drink once a month, maybe, and, you know, a couple. But when I did, I don't remember the night. I don't remember mm -hmm. past 8, 830. Mm -hmm. um, and when I looked back into the first time I drank and what I felt, what I was experiencing while I was drinking I was looking for acceptance from other people. Mm -hmm. And the reason I was looking at for acceptance from 
other people is because I couldn't accept myself is what it really came down to. So I was turning that piece of me off. And then that just, it didn't matter if people actually accepted me or not. I just didn't feel that I didn't accept myself anymore. Right. I didn't not accept myself. I was, it just wasn't there. And so I could just let go. And it's like, how healthy is that? No wonder why I couldn't just have a couple and stop. And that's what I wanted to get to. And so when you, it was painful getting to that point. It hasn't been as painful now, but it is hard work in the middle. It can be a slog. That is part of getting to where you ultimately really want to go and living a life where you can smile every day and not because you're telling somebody that you feel good because you don't, you know, it's because you actually feel good about yourself and you're being honest with yourself about things. And so you're actually making decisions based on a hell yes, instead of a, I don't really want to, but I guess I will. And that's really ultimately what you're looking for when you're talking about making a big change. And that, that quote keeps coming to mind as comparison is the thief of joy. And that keeps coming back to me right now too. And every, everybody's story is different. Everybody's reasonings, everybody's mindset, thought processes, they're your own. They're very unique to you. There are some universal truths and there are some paths that others have gone before you and can reflect back that can give you a hand. And I think when you started this and you said about the comparison and you look at other people and then understand that you are you and they are them and being honest with yourself to make this decision that's best for you. That's the, that's the universal truth. And that's the best mindset that you can go into this with. Will you be able to moderate eventually? Maybe Mm. who knows that's, that's a possibility, but do you want to actually make it so that you're not, so that you're not reliant on a substance to feel joy, to have fun, to do things that you want in life? Or do you want to get to the point where you can do all that stuff on your own and things you actually want to do? So that's the, kind of what that question comes down to for me. Um, When you have clients that are adamant about wanting to moderate, how, how is it that you kind of lead them down the path that they make the decision for themselves? That's a great question. So one of the inherent problems with trying to solve the problem of can I moderate right when you're coming out of what we might call an addiction 
or a period of heavy use or long-term chronic use, habitual use, abuse, misuse. You know, people don't come to me unless they've been through one of those things somewhere along the spectrum where they're saying, you know what, this really is not serving me. This is holding me back. If that's been your experience and you go from that to, um, I, I, I want to try to figure out if I can moderate. I'm very wary of that because here's why. Because you are coming at me, you're coming to me with an addicted brain. You are coming to me with a brain that has a very strong attachment still to this thing, right? You're coming to me and what people get really focused on is trying to figure out a way to still have this thing in their life. And, and that's what I notice. That's what I notice. People come to me, they're like, I want to slow down. I, I want to, I really need to stop smoking all the time. But then they get so obsessed with, can I do this on weekends? Can I do this once a month? Have you ever seen this work? Well, here's the thing. That brain that's really trying so hard to find a place in it, it's an indication to me that, you know, your level of attachment to this thing is still problematic, right? Because we have to remember the people who can truly moderate, they're not thinking about it. That's one of the most mind-blowing things that I have to come back to all the time. The people who can truly moderate without it being a problem at all, I don't see a lot of mental energy going into that for them. The mental energy makes it a problem in itself, right? And then if we're, if we're coming out of a strong attachment, daily use, regular use of a substance, problematic use of a substance, even if it is once a month, binging, whatever it is, and we're still in a place in our life where we have a strong attachment to it, I don't, I, I wouldn't typically feel that the best way we could use our time is trying to figure out the way that substance can still fit in your life. Because I want to go deeper. I want to go deeper. Somebody's coming to me and their heart is telling them that there's a better way, that the things they were trying to get, the problems they were trying to solve, the acceptance they were looking for, or the relief they were were looking for from anxiety or depression or whatever it was, why ever they were using the substance to begin with. Their heart is telling them that there's better methods out there, that maybe, just maybe, there's better methods out there for dealing with those issues or forgetting what it is that they're after. And what I want to talk about with people at the point in their journey where they need to take a step back from our current method, which is the substance, I want to start to go deep into what those better methods are. I want to start to go deep into what it looks like to live a life in an unaltered state where you start to make decisions and build habits around what you want and need without being altered by a drug. And when people do that, it starts to shift things in really interesting directions. I had a client uh, just last night was telling me, you know, I had a friend over for dinner, and and it's a friend I normally would have uh, normally would have smoked with, and and I found that it just wasn't uh, 
we, I, I'm not smoking anymore, so we didn't smoke. And it just, it felt a little empty. Felt a little dull. Felt like it would have been better if we just smoked. So this client was saying, you know, how do I deal with this? Like, wouldn't that night have just been better if I just smoked a little bit? Like, what's wrong with that? And I said, well, this is a really interesting point in the journey. Because what that person's starting to discover is that actually, without being in an altered state, the way that they're spending their time wasn't necessarily all that interesting. So I said, well, we could, we could let that push you back to the drug. Or we could let that, let that push you in a million other directions where you start to discover more of what life has to offer. Maybe it's not all that interesting to just sit in the apartment with your friend for, for a couple hours. Maybe the more fulfilling experience is going surfing together or going rock climbing together or going on a hike. Or maybe there's a card game or a board game that would actually facilitate more connection. Or maybe this friend is someone that you're interested in surfing with, but maybe there's someone else out there who, who you actually love having over for a couple hours and just talking. Maybe it's not the, the, the right friend for, for that particular experience. Maybe, maybe you have more common ground with them in a shared activity and and somebody else might be more enjoyable to just sit and talk with. So the, the point is that when we stop trying to find a place for the substance, we can start to focus on solving some other, other issues. And where that propels us in our lives is really interesting. And really, really, I'm, I'm trying not to swear, really valuable, really freaking valuable. Because if you can start to live a life where you don't need to be altered by anything to be having a great time, well then, basically what we've done is we found a better solution that doesn't come with all of these problems. See, people are still trying to figure out a way to use the solution that they're used to, even though it fucked them up. So my main point is consider, consider just setting that conversation aside for a little bit, especially if you're early, early, early on, you don't have to deal with that. You don't have to ask yourself, will I ever be able to moderate? Let your brain heal. Get through the withdrawals. Get through the 90 days that it takes for your neurotransmitters to fully rebound so that you can access all of your joy on a physiological level throughout your day. Address your nutrition. If we're going to do this, let's do it. Let's do this trip. Let's do this journey. And then maybe one day, maybe down the road, maybe there's a healthier place from which you can start to deal with that question. But my, my, my other point about this is that often people don't realize how good they're going to feel and how good life can really be. So I'm, I'm trying to get people to defer that conversation to allow themselves the possibility of getting to a point in their life where they might think of that question and realize there's absolutely no need for that. So an example of that 
I just did a piece of content around this. It was a, a video of me watching this sunset in Baja, beautiful sunset, seagulls flying, pelicans flying over the ocean, sun going down. We're on a, a little uh, peninsula type thing, like jutting out into the water, ocean on all sides, waves crashing against the rocks. And I realized in that moment that I was so present that it felt so good, that I was so happy being there. And I was very aware that for a long time in my life, I would have needed a joint or needed to have something I was sipping on or something to make that experience joyful, to truly appreciate it, to feel like it was complete. But now, in that moment, I didn't need anything. I didn't need anything at all. It was complete. It was perfect. And I actually felt genuinely that anything I could think of, if I thought about what a puff of marijuana would feel like, if I thought about what, what a, a couple beers would feel like, even if I thought about, I don't know, what some mushrooms would feel like, all of it felt like it would truly, I mean really truly, be a come down from the state that I was in in my own natural consciousness at that moment. All of that stuff feels to me now like it would simply put a fog layer in between me and nature. And I don't like that fog layer, man. I like to be, you know, raw dogging it. I like to be like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, I... like right there, right? Skin yep. on skin with mother nature. Like I, I like that better mm -hmm. than I than I than any of those altered states now and that's a regular experience for me I, I'm not making this up it's genuinely a regular experience for me that anything I could put in my body would make me feel not as good as I am sober so when you get to that point the conversation about moderation gets easy sometimes people ask me Jake after almost 10 years don't you think you could like enjoy a joint Sometime and for some people, for or for some reason, for some reason, people always talk about a waterfall. I don't know why this happened like three times, different people, unrelated occasions. They're like, let's say you were like hanging out by a waterfall, <laughs> and uh, and and you just you know, you just smoked a little bit. Don't don't you think you could do that if the situation called for it, and then not go back to it, not have a problem with it. And that's an easy one for me these days because actually I just had an experience where I climbed up uh, four pitches of rock climbing in Yosemite National Park to a ledge that's halfway in between where Upper Yosemite Falls and Lower Yosemite Falls split. There's a ledge in between Upper Falls, becomes a river, and then it becomes Lower Falls. It's maybe, I don't know, 100 meters. So this is the biggest waterfall in North America. And I climb up there with my friend and using ropes, we'd lower down into the waterfall and we go swimming in the midway point, right? Upper falls above us, lower falls below us. And we're tied to a rope to make sure we don't fall over the edge. The yeah. water doesn't sweep us over. And I'm like, man, I had so much fun doing that. It was such an ecstatic experience for me that what's clear to me in the question when people are like, man, couldn't you just use once if you were at a waterfall? I'm like, no, 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 no. You don't understand. That would be a come down for me. 
I love waterfalls. I like to be clear. I like to be right there with the waterfall. I don't want that fog layer shit. And usually when people are asking me that, they, they haven't quite yet reached a point necessarily where they are experiencing a heightened state that it feels better for them than the high felt. Yeah. And, and I say that also knowing that for some people, like that balance is totally fine. They do want a joint for a waterfall and then they don't use one for another three months. I'm not saying like better or worse here, but that's how it is for me. That fog layer you're talking about first, before I get into this, like that is beautiful. Like very, very amazing. And um, I went to Brazil and I went to a waterfalls first waterfall I'd seen in person, like actual real waterfall. And I went and stood in it. And there's something very powerful about standing in a waterfall, just allowing yourself to be there with the water that's falling on top of you and not worrying about what's going to happen in 10 minutes or even, you know, what happened on the flight down. Like you're just, that's that present. Like you're just doing what you're doing and that's where your mind is. And that fogginess, like I call it the screen door effect, right? Where when you're looking at life on a substance that's altering your mind, you're looking through a screen door. Sure, you can see everything that's going on out there. You know what's happening, but everything's just not crystal clear. There's this, there's something going on that you're like, yeah, that is beautiful, but it's not as beautiful as you're saying. Yeah, mm -hmm. that is wonderful, but is it really that wonderful? Or are you just saying that so you feel better about not drinking or smoking, right? Mm -hmm. And really it's that jaded nature because you don't know. So yeah. you're justifying what you're doing. So you don't have to try. So you don't have to change anything. And eventually when you, you know, you said the 90 days, sometimes that, you know, it can come fairly quick where that screen door starts to lift. Oh yeah. And you start to actually see an HD 4k and you're like, I never understood how beautiful that bird was that sit, that sings like that. I always thought it was annoying as hell because it woke me up, but there's a beauty in that. And then you watch some sunsets, some sunrises, you start to see just how green some trees are, the difference in the green. And you appreciate the life that before you were like, it's not that beautiful. It's not that you're just saying that so that you can, you know, make yourself feel better when really it's the other way around. And when I describe it like that, people, some people get it. Some people don't. That's the thing with metaphors, but that's kind of how I describe that, um, that fog that you're talking about. And uh, it is, I don't want to say scary, but I'll say alarming. The first time that you reach a moment of calm, when you've been in chaos for so long, when you've implemented chaos, when you've had to only feel calm on a substance, when you feel that calm by yourself, it is alarming. feels like something might be wrong. But then you realize that it's just peace that you're feeling, that your energy 
where your thoughts are, what your brain is doing is just being and doing what you're doing. And <laughs> that feeling that you're talking about, that that upper awareness, that 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 feeling is something that when you get back to it, you're just you appreciate it more and more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. And I and I actually truly believe that's all enlightenment is. I think we seek and we seek and we seek and we're looking for some kind of peak <laughs> state, right? Yeah. We're looking for some kind of peak state all the time. And uh, I think there's a point in the spiritual journey for me, the realization was, oh, no, 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 no. It's not looking to be in a peak state all day, every day. It's the understanding that this is it. This is it. The lows, the highs, the in-between, the dishes, the laundry, the friend's birthday party, the trip to Mexico, the sunset. You know, there's all points along the spectrum of experiences, and they're all going to continue to be there. You know, it's the story of uh, when when this guy met uh, Ram Das. I was just listening to this East Forest track. And <laughs> this, this, this gentleman told the story of he met Ram Das, and he said, are, are, will, will you be my guru, right? Like all, all like, oh my God, this is it. Like my life is going to be different now. Like I'm going to, I'm going to find enlightenment. And Ram Dass said, yeah, what now? Right. Brought yeah. him right down, brought him right down from the, from the like, oh, I've, I'm, I'm like this peak, peak thing. It's like, no, wait, turn it around for a second. What we are looking for, the peace, the deep sense of peace, is in being able to be with all experiences of life. It's not having those experiences go away. It's the degree of grace, the degree of presence, the degree of peace in our being, the degree of regulated nervous system with which we can be with all of those. You know, sadness without acceptance of sadness feels very different than sadness with total acceptance of sadness. Like if you can be with your sadness, it it takes the edge off it in a really interesting way. It's okay. Like I don't experience, I don't actually experience sadness as, as a suffering state anymore. I don't really experience like, lower energy days as like a suffering stadium because it's not, there's nothing wrong with them anymore. So for me, it's been a journey of like, well, yeah, I can reach these incredible peak states in my, in my sober state, but there's also the relief of, I'm not always trying to chase some kind of peak. I'm not running away from everything in between which actually doesn't work. It's always going to catch up with you. It's always going to be be under the surface somewhere. So when I was trying to feel good all the time, man, I had everybody convinced that I felt great all the time. Mm-hmm. When I was using, I was so convincing. I had myself and everybody convinced that I felt great all the time. 
And you know what was going on? Severe anxiety and a lot of energy masking it. And I had these OCD loops in my head going all the time about basically trying to convince myself that everything was great. Yeah. And uh, man, it's so much more peaceful now because I, I don't have to be chasing that all the time anymore. I'm just kind of flowing with it all a lot more now. You just broke down such a high level con um you know construct high level understanding in a practical way sadness with acceptance takes away that suffering and that pain that comes with it right and the lows with acceptance you understand and i told i've been telling people this like i used to be so scared of sadness and pain and hurt and now i look at it like it's the price of admission for my mm. joy for my excitement for my uh wonder and awe and when you said that sadness with acceptance i've been feeling like i wonder if i'm numbing because there's there's some massive um, changes going on in my life that have me sad and they have me down, but it's, I'm accepting it because I know it is. And I don't have the hurt and the pain like I did before. I just have, yeah, of course I am. I'm human. And I'm going to see something that's going to make me smile and look at it and be like, that is, incredible i'll be able to go to the sunrise with my kids and see dolphins playing or well they're hunting but they look like they're playing right <laughs> and it's beautiful being present with them just like being there and watching their awe and wonder and their joy and it stops me from chasing excitement and calling that happiness because mm, that's what i was yes. doing when I was creating these moments by shutting parts of my brain off artificially with these substances, with different things, I was chasing excitement and saying that, Oh, this is happiness. And like you said, that's just like trying to stay in that peak. That's not what it's about. It's about that peace. It's about content so that you are in, in the middle and you can experience a high, you can experience a low. And that's what life is about. And I've understood it's to get to that peace and that contentment. But when you said that with acceptance, like that hit me on another level. And I wanted to lay that out there because that was such a high level concept that I really think if people start to understand if they can, if it can be broken down like that and you can truly work through that sadness that is painful, that doesn't come with the acceptance and then you accept it because it, that is the process. That is a part of it. That's how you come to accept it. Oof. Does it feel different? Does that sunrise? Does that, 
standing on the rock surrounded by the ocean with the waves hitting it it's a different experience your friendships because they're people that you truly do want to be around and not because they're fun when you turn parts of your brain off that make it more fun right life gets to a point where you truly do get to create your own joy and laughter every day and it seems so far away at first it does it really does but it doesn't have to be yeah it reminds me of when you were talking about dropping that screen door, which is a, another perfect metaphor for the, the fog layer concept. Uh, yeah. Same thing, different visual. Yeah. I was thinking, you know, one, one of the beautiful things about this work is I see people have moments of that on day one. I see people have moments of seeing through that fog layer glimpse on day one, day two, day three. Yeah. Now, usually there's a, I mean, people talk about the pink cloud, too, of early sobriety. Like, wow, yep. I broke out of so much freedom. And, man, I broke out of this pattern that's been holding me back. I am a powerful being. And all of a sudden, everything's new. You're, you're not, you know, depleting your dopamine all the time. But then there's the long journey. There's the longer term of like, yeah, man, and every day you're getting a little bit more regulated. You're getting a little bit more balanced with uh with cannabis your your endocannabinoid system is opening up more receptors again for your natural flow of cannab of endocannabinoids endogenous cannabinoids with alcohol same thing your your body's starting to get control back of its dopamine regulation it's starting to clean itself out and so you know, the ability to see through that fog layer to see clear is coming more and more and more. But I've seen many people have an experience of it on day one. And uh, I love what you said about like, it can feel far away. But uh, what if it's not? What if it's right around the corner? Uh, I think I love that. There's truth to that. I also think it, it matters what we tell ourselves. Like if we go yes. into it, like, man, I'm going to have to get to 90 days before I feel the benefits. No, 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 no. I'm just saying the benefits keep coming. They're going to keep coming for a long time. Your body is physiologically going to keep assisting you with your spiritual journey as you continue to keep it clean um, and support yourself that way. But uh, that doesn't mean that you have to get to a certain number of days to start to have an enlightening experience. And uh, thank you for the acknowledgments. It took me a long, long, long time to truly understand the level to which I was blocking out any uh, sort of uh, non-peak emotions or non, like what I thought of as positive emotions. Um, it took me a long time to learn how to start feeling the whole range, even yeah. after I got sober. Same. Uh, no, but the, the stuff that I wasn't feeling, it, it, we think we're not feeling it, but we are. We're feeling it as depression. We're feeling it as anxiety. We're feeling it as loops in our head of something that's not being addressed. Anger. Anger. 
We're feeling it all kinds of ways, but we're not sitting with it. So it's it's manifesting in our lives, but we are running away from it, and so it continues to control us as like running away from this beast instead of turning around and realizing that the beast is just actually like, what if it's like actually a a, a being that you can hang out with? What if uh what if it's something that you can actually get to know? What if it's something you could even welcome in? Uh, the Thich Nhat Hanh meditation for being with strong emotions that I love. He says, you know, it's placing a hand on your belly and breathing deep and pay attention to the rise and fall of your hand on your, on your, on your diaphragm. And, um, and start to look inward and greet your emotions. And, you know, he says this, this beautiful sequence of thoughts Hello, anger. I see that you are there. Thank you for bringing a message to me. I promise that I'm going to take care of you. And he talks about treating your emotions mm. the way a mother would turn towards a crying child. And that's a practice of being with your emotions that is way, way, way deeper and for me so much more conducive to living a peaceful life and one thing that was true for me and i feel like listening to other people share their stories the beast the void the storm what we're running from when we turn around and we embrace it it's not just can be our friend it's generally our five-year-old selves, our six-year-old selves, our child. Mm -hmm. And that is difficult to see. It's difficult to get through the layers to the to who it is inside. And it's once you see who it is, it's it's difficult to it's difficult to embrace it because I know for myself, like I was angry, like why would five-year-old me be chasing me for this long, causing all this turmoil? And it's like, and then it's anger towards other people and it's anger about other things. And what's that anger really about? Well, it's because I didn't, I wasn't there for myself and I can be now. And you know, I, I used to like to make the joke. Um, I don't run from my demons. My demons run from me. And the reason for that is because I was treating my demon the same way that it was treated back then. Being honest is, uh, it's tough. It's not easy. Sometimes, sometimes you end up in conversations like this where it starts one way and it it ends up somewhere completely different, but all of this benefits you in such a way to be able to just absorb knowledge. And I mean, you're not just learning it, like you're actually implementing it and then you're able to take it and be a better parent, be a better friend, be a better partner, 
spouse, all of the above, and you start to look at life like you actually want to be there. So, so we're winding down, Jake. Um, can you tell us a little bit of about your coaching and how people can book a call with you? Um, they're at this point in their journey where they would like a guide to be able to get them to that place of having those heightened experiences quicker, uh, more often, and an understanding. How how can they do that? Yeah, thanks for that opening. Um, you know, I put out content all the time on Instagram and TikTok. My handle is natural highs recovery. That's natural highs with an S recovery, all one word. Um, I'm on YouTube. I, I put my uh, name on YouTube as quit weed coach. Uh-huh. Uh, so that's often something that I do, but I work with people that are releasing cannabis, releasing alcohol, uh, releasing other self-limiting patterns. Um, and sometimes with folks who have been on this journey for a long time, because really the releasing of the substance is just a prerequisite yeah. to do a whole world of much deeper and ongoing work to create lasting change. Yeah. So, you know, work with all kinds of folks. And if somebody's really resonating and they want to book a call, they can go to uh, the link in my Instagram or TikTok bio and book a call. Um, they could also go to naturalhighsrecovery.org and you'll, you'll find on the homepage a way to book a call. But I would also say if you're listening to this and you're looking for guidance, you know, maybe you've been listening to RJ's podcast for a while. You guys should, you guys need to know that RJ is now a coach as well. RJ's offering that. And so I want to plug you in here as well because um, we're, we're starting to work together in collaboration with each other. And, um, you know, uh, also consider having a conversation with RJ because this guy is amazing. I mean, look at what he's done in a short period of time going, you know, from a huge life change and starting this podcast. And, I mean, this guy's amazing. So, you know, I would say also – if you've been resonating with RJ's message for a while, consider also booking a call with him. <laughs> I appreciate that. And before I can let you know how you can book a call with me, um, I just want to say that I've endorsed Jake since he came on the podcast uh, about a year ago is the first time he came on, but I endorse him so much that J- Jake is my coach. I pay Jake to actually coach me. So he is there to help you. And that's not why he's on the podcast now. Like he's on the podcast because we resonate so much. And we have conversations like we just did. Um, I, I truly believe in investing in yourself. And in, part of investing in myself is getting this wisdom from Jake on a weekly basis. And so if you enjoy like this, how this conversation went, if you are done drinking and you're like, now what the fuck am I supposed to do? I quit drinking. Why is my life not unicorns and rainbows? Why uh-huh. don't I experience this pink cloud? That's what I focus on is helping you to discover yourself after 
alcohol after a substance. And it took me six years before I started to look into myself after I quit drinking. And it doesn't have to be that long. You can start to enjoy yourself a lot sooner. And you can go to untappedkeg.com and you can book a call. Um, you can go on to Instagram, Twitter. Uh, the link is in the bios and you can message me. My DMs are open. Um, and we'll just have a conversation. And I will be able to you know, help you sort through your goals. And maybe that's all you need is that first conversation. Or you'd like to have weekly or biweekly conversations with me and have a guide to be able to help you on this process because it is a process. Mm-hmm. So I appreciate you coming on, Jake. This was this was an absolute treat and a lot of people are going to benefit from this. So everybody let's try to be better tomorrow than we were today. Cause at least we don't make it. We tried. I love you. <laughs>